The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. It's Matt Slick Live. Matt is the founder and president of the Christian Apologetics Research Ministry, found online at CARM.org. When you have questions about Bible doctrines, turn to Matt Slick Live for answers. Taking your calls and responding to your questions at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Everybody, welcome to the show. It's me, Matt Slick. You're listening to Matt Slick Live. Today's date is uh, 12-12-23. I remember when it was 12-12-12. That was a while back, but that was fun. Anyway, 12-12-23 for the podcasters. If you want to give me a call, all you got to do is dial 877-207-2276. And if you want, you can also email me. That's easy to do. Just address the email to info at carm.org info at carm.org and uh, just put in the in the uh, subject line you know carm question or radio question excuse me radio question or radio uh, comment and um, what I do is I put them in that's interesting why is it showing like that that's weird and then what I do is I put it uh, in a folder and then when we have downtime I read them so it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll get answered right away, but we have uh, we have a bunch in the in the uh, radio questions thing, and uh, so there we go. Okay, all right. Well, why don't we do this? Let's just get on the air with Alan. Alan, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. How's it going today? Oh, it's going. Just got stuff to do. You know, it's going. So what do you got, man? Uh, so before I ask my main question, I watched one of your um, video collab, or I guess video collabs you did with someone for about an hour and a half on uh, occultism, or okay. I guess that's the right term, or with the occult. The occult. And I don't, don't want to get into it. Yeah, I don't want to get into it too much. I don't want to open any doors here with that. Mm-hmm. But um, I was... um. I was somewhat related to it in the past and was wondering if there was a way to do like, uh, on ask you questions live or whatnot sure. off the radio show. You can, we can just, uh, do a phone call off the air. I, I've got a, uh, if you send me an email and say, Hey, I'm the, you know, guy talk about the occult, the one that over the air and, um, then I can call you and we can talk. Okay. Okay. I think you, you also do like, um, was it Clubhouse or something like that too off the radio, right? Yeah, I do Clubhouse, and I'm also on Discord. And we're going to be moving into getting into TikTok and some other venues where we're just trying to do Q and A a lot and answer questions. Okay, I think I probably would prefer instead of the call because I, I I'm pretty busy. Uh, uh-huh. If I don't know, if there's like a way I can do a Clubhouse thing after today or tomorrow sure. or whatever that works. Well, what you can do is stay on after the radio show, and uh, we do an after show every almost every single day, and we're on for a half hour, and that's in, um, we do it in Clubhouse, we also do it in uh, Rumble, rumble.com forward slash Matt Slick Live, and we, we talk okay. about stuff I'll off figure the out how to, I'll, I'll try to figure out how to do Clubhouse after this call, then. Okay, and just look for Matt Slick Live in uh, Clubhouse, okay, and you'll find it. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, and then so my um, yeah, I, I just don't want to talk about that over radio. That, that that's okay. a, there's a lot of people that I don't want I don't want that to be exposed to necessarily. But yeah. Anyways, um, 
my main question is uh, I'm having trouble interpreting John chapter 14 verses 12 through 14. Okay. And what do you Can think you help me with that? Sure. Well, what so, do you think so when I, if I look at it literally, sorry, I'm pulling it back up and right. exploding. Um, if I take at it just literally, if I ask G- something in Jesus's name for him, for him to do something, it says he will do it. But if I asked him to stop, to stop being God, would he do it? <laughs> for example. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, right. The context here is, uh, remember he's talking to the Jews and his t- atoning sacrifice had not yet occurred. He's speaking to the Jews who understood the idea of communication with God and seeking God and that he would answer them. And what Jesus is doing is saying, well, you know, if you believe in me, the works that I do, you'll, you'll do also. Whoa, 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 what's that? Well, he could do miracles. We could do miracles. Okay. I thought he was talking to Philip here. In John 14, 14. Well, no, he's, he's, he's maybe to an individual there, yes, but... Uh, it's it's under the Jewish context where he's speaking to, in this one case, Philip, but it's always in the Jewish context of the people of Israel before the crucifixion, generally speaking. All right, sometimes he addresses the centurion and Gentiles and things like that. So it's just that uh, they would understand that uh, you, you just can't ask anything of God. You know, kill my neighbor, I don't like him. God's not going to do that. If you go to First John 5, 14... <laughs> If you go to 1 John 5.14, it says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So Jesus himself didn't want to go through the crucifixion. And in Luke 22.42, he says, If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus didn't want to do that. But the will of the Father is what is important here. So what generically what he's saying is, look, you're following God. You're doing what he wants. You ask anything, it's going to happen. But we have to be in his will, and it can't be an ungodly decision, an ungodly thing. Now, I can tell you over my lifetime mm-hmm. that there's many prayers that I'm glad God did not answer the way I wanted to answer. As I look back, I go, <laughs> I'm glad he didn't answer that one the way I wanted at the time. <laughs> and lots of them, you know. And so uh, mm-hmm. it's just that. And he goes on, he says, believe me, I am in the Father, the Father's in me. Otherwise, uh, believe because of the works themselves. And... Uh, well, let me go to verse 12 and 14. Sorry, I was going to go ahead. He says, Truly I see you, whatever he who believes in me works that I will do, he will do also greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Some people say, well, what are the greater works? And the greater works of these ideas of walking on water or, or raising from the dead, a greater work would be leading someone to Christ for eternal salvation. That's generally what the commentaries uh, allude to in that respect. And he says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. But we know that this verse can't be just taken face value for what it says, uh, because in the broader context, we have to be asking according to God's will. And that's why he says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so it's in the will of God, with the humility of a Christian before him. And if we're doing that, then what we ask will be granted. Okay. What? Which, okay. So, so the corollary is if, important because the corollary is important because if it's not happening what you want, then you're not in, you're not in the will of God. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, 
So what does what does John fourteen fourteen add that John fourteen thirteen doesn't? Uh, whatever you ask in my name, that means by the authority that I will do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now, this is a, a statement of his deity, incidentally. How can Jesus do these things? Uh, you know, you're asking in prayer, spoken in thought. He knows. It's a sign of his deity. And he repeats himself. And this is just something common uh, that the Jews would do. Truly, 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 I say to you. And so repetition was just one of the teaching methods uh, that were used by the Jews and by Christ himself. And there's chiastic okay, so structures, there's all kinds of stuff. But go ahead. Okay. So it's not necessarily adding new information, it's reinforcing what he just said. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. A lot of times this is right. reinforcement. You know, it's like, why? He just said that. Like Paul the Apostle, I've been teaching through the book of Romans. And uh, you know, I, I said to the people I'm teaching, they come to my house and I teach them, and I'll say, you're going to find a lot of repetition in here, what Paul says. And I forgot what chapter we were in recently, and it was like, he says this like three times in the same chapter. So, well, why is he saying it yeah. so many times? Well, because, you know, if you're, you know, you, you're, you're herding sheep, and you hear there's going to be a teacher at a synagogue, uh, or on a hill, which they would often use, and you go there, and you hear something once, are you going to remember it? Well, maybe. But what if he <laughs> it said me. three times? Oh, now I get it. Though this is important. That's why he's saying it different ways. And so they would know to remember mm. something like that. That's just how it was done. Okay. Okay. All right. I appreciate it, Matt. Thank you. Hey, no problem, man. God bless. <laughs> okay. You too. All right. See ya. All right. Now... Let's see. Let's get to Jesse from Arizona. Jesse, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, Matt. How are you doing? Uh, I'm in Arizona. I got a question. I think I talked to you maybe 10 years ago or maybe wow. less. Oh, I remember that. Uh, when, when I was le- no, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, when I'm I was leaving the Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, and oh, really? um, I have a question. So me and my little brother, we're involved in uh, apostasy work. So we're called becoming apostate. uh, What do you mean in apostasy work? You're trying to get people to go apostate. What do you mean? No, no, we've left the church, so we've been labeled as apostates because we actively speak out in our communities, in the news, on the radio. We march in the streets. Against the Jehovah's Witnesses. Against the Jehovah's Witnesses. Now we're unique. You know how you know how Americans were an exceptional people. We Jehovah's Witnesses we're kind of exceptional that we're like a a branch of Christianity that nobody wants. We're like the the drunk uncle at a Christmas or Thanksgiving party that we're way out there. We're whack. And so um, you'll see activists that are atheists and you'll see activists that are Christian or apologetic. So it's a really divided um, ex-Jehovah's Witness world. And um, one of the things, I don't have no scientific evidence, no scientific numbers, but we see a great proportion of the people leaving the organization. That's what they call themselves. They don't call themselves a church. Yeah. The organization right. lately are atheists, but rabbit evangelical atheists. And wait, so my wait, question wait. to you is... Wait, 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 you... Wait, 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 wait. you offered me something that was contradictory. How is an evangelical, which by definition is a Christian, also an atheist? Uh, well, I, uh, 
I invented that term, evangelical. Ah. You know how there's evangelical Christians who are evangelical of their faith? Yeah, so evangelical comes from the Greek, euangelia. It comes from the Greek, euangelia, which means to evangelize, the good news. It means the gospel. So it's, it, anyway, it's a term mm-hmm. that that causes confusion. So you mean um, activist atheists like that? So, okay. Yes, but we, we use absurdity. To, uh, we illustrate absurdity by being absurd, and so we use a, a shtick like that, a humor. Uh, okay. So that, that evangelical oh, atheism okay. is what I use. Uh-huh. But w- what it is, it's lately, one of the things I've seen in the apostate work uh, is to bash on the Old Testament and the New Testament mm-hmm. as being uh, archaeologically wrong, as being uh, mm-hmm. chronologically wrong, but with a vehemence that when I talk to them, I tell them, hey, you guys are borderline anti-Semitic. And I, 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 I didn't know who to talk to about that. Am I wrong in labeling my, my brothers? Let me give you an example. Let's say they go after Moses because of Numbers chapter 5 on the bitter waters. And they say, what kind of, what kind of God is it who makes women drink a bitter water for a pregnancy test? And uh, we say, well, you weren't there 3,500 years ago. You don't know the context of it. You don't know. So they go into any detail that they could find in the Old Testament to prove that there's no God. Well, there's a lot of principles here I could talk about. Uh, I don't know. I I want to kind of coach you a little bit. If someone were an atheist were to say to me, you know, why would God have him drink bitter water that shows he's not God? I'd say, how does that show he's not God? There's no God. Connect the dots and show it to me. Hold on, we got a break, okay? Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. We'll get back with uh, Jesse from Arizona, and I hope you want to stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, well, welcome back to the show. Let's get back on with Jesse from Arizona. Jesse, welcome. You're on the air. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Go ahead. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so uh, I guess my question was to label my brothers uh, anti-Semite when they... Uh, a borderline. I don't didn't call them anti-Semite. I just say borderline anti-Semite. When they attack uh, the tenets of Judaism and Christianity, or basically Judaism, better said, am I wrong to label an atheist uh, borderline anti-Semite when they go after uh, things that you can't prove archaeology? Uh, archaeologically? No, no, I, I, no, I mean we, we weren't. I I, do that. Yeah, no. Now they're just. It's just like no. if I if I were to attack the validity of the Quran, it doesn't mean I'm an anti-Islamicist or whatever, or Muslim. It just means you're attacking that, that one aspect. Now, what when they do that, uh, ask them for documentation. And one of the things I will do is I'll say, Are you getting this off of a website someplace? Are you doing your own homework, or are you simply going to a website that has a vendetta against Christianity that lists a bunch of stuff out? You're just copying it i mean that's what i want to know could you and i ask him could you please tell me which is the case yeah you know i had a feeling in my gut that i was wrong that i was wrong and that's i didn't know who to ask i asked some people that i i talk with all the time and um i felt i was wrong saying that was borderline anti-semite and uh them attacking uh and i even went and read uh 
the antiquities of the Jews to see if I could see something mm-hmm. on these uh, scriptures. But mm-hmm. my conscience was uh, hurting for me saying that to my brothers. Uh, so I'll apologize to them that I was wrong using. Yeah, and that's why I think I try to clean it up by saying borderline anti-Semitic. Yeah. And, and it's a term that you don't want to use today. I mean, looking how ugly the world is right now. And, um, and my conscience bothered me. And that's why I called to try to get some help. Maybe in my use of the English language, it was wrong. So you help me. Well, I'm going to clean English it up a little bit. your first language or, or not? N- no, English is my second language. Uh-huh. What's your first? And you know what? Uh, I, I'm, me- I'm Mexican. Oh, okay. Spanish is my first language, yeah. Oh. You know, every language is beautiful. Every language is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I believe that we as Americans are exceptional people. But when I hear a romantic Mexican song, I think Spanish is uh, <laughs> is a gift from God, you know. So every language is beautiful. Español es muy bella, muy romántica. Y fácil aprender también, me gusta mucho. Y tú eres un hombre, tú eres un hombre muy bello. Me has ayudado mucho. Muchas gracias. Thank you, sir. All right. Okay, man, God bless. All right. Now, let's get to Jamal from North Carolina. Jamal, welcome. You're on the air. Thank you for uh, taking my call about the slick. Always a pleasure. Did you call me? Wait, just curious. Did you call me doctor? Y- yes, sir, I did. I did call okay, you. Yeah, but I'm not. No, um, I have a doctorate, yeah, just so you know. But go ahead. Not, not, not yet. I'm trying to speak that into existence. I know we had the conversation a while ago. Yeah. All right, so what's up? What do you got, ma'am? Um, want to have that conversation um, and I'm talk a little bit more about uh, the books of the Bible being canon. Uh, okay. About that uh, king somewhere, I think it was um, I guess was it King James that uh, supposedly threw out some books of the Bible? Was, was no. it him? No, no, it's nothing like that at all. Nothing like that at all. It's just those okay. are just uh, myths right. and fables and fairy tales. No, the Christian Church, uh, the first century. You got to understand a little bit of context. So the. The when the apostles wrote what they did in the first century, whatever they wrote was automatically scripture. Okay, not whatever, but because uh, they could have written a, a menu, you know, on a piece of paper, uh, papyrus. That wasn't right. But when they wrote things for the that God intended to work through them and inspired through them, then uh, that was inspired and that was scripture right right there. The Christian Church just recognizes it. That's all it does. And a lot of people say. Uh. That uh, you know, some king or so, some committee threw out the books of the Bible. No, it's just it's a load of crud. They don't know what they're talking about. So, but also during the first century, there was what's called the diaspora, and in the sixties, not nineteen sixties, but two thousand years ago, sixties, Nero was in charge, and Nero was killing Christians, and. Uh, in seventy A.D., Rome came in and destroyed uh, Jerusalem. So what happened is the Jews, I mean, it could be the Christians who are considered part of Judaism by the Romans, uh, became under attack too, and they just fled out to the Mediterranean area. It's called the dispersion or the diaspora. That's what it's called, the term, the diaspora. So during this time, it wasn't like, hey, let's all get together and do councils. Because they could get together, the Romans come in and kill them, right? So they're just busy running, screaming, and hiding. 
for the first hundred years or so. But the word of God was already known because it came from the apostles. And what they would do is they would copy these documents and then secretly send them out to different places and different churches and different areas around the Mediterranean area. And so thousands of these copies of different levels were developed very quickly. And so later on, when Christianity became uh, tolerable in the Roman Empire, well, then they started having councils about different things. Well, where are the, book, the, the true books? And they'd say, well, we recognize this one. The church people did this, the Christians, because Jesus says, you know, my sheep hear my voice. And so the true believers heard the voice of Christ in the scriptures. And so what we recognize, they just recognize, well, that, that's this is from God. And, you know, and the Gospel of Thomas is not. And they knew. And they had some information we don't have, like Paul wrote this and this and that, but not that over there. That was by a guy named Bob. And, you know, Bob wasn't an apostle, so that's out. That kind of a thing. And that's all it is. So it's not the right. case that in the Council of Nicaea, you know, the kings threw out the books of the Bible or, or the King James threw out the books. It's, when people say that kind of stuff, they, I just tell them, I say, look, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but you haven't studied this. Oh, yes, I have. I go, no, you haven't. Because if you had, you wouldn't say that. It's just not true. And uh, that's it. Okay, so, all right. So for somebody that wants to have a follow-up question, because I haven't done studying myself, uh, which is why I'm calling, of course. Um, but I get to the conversation a lot. So for somebody that would say, well, how do you know you can trust those councils? What would be my uh, response to that? Okay, say it one more time. Repeat that. If somebody were, was to say, well, how do you know that those councils got it right? How can you trust them? I wanted to ask what my response would be to that question. They say God works through his providence, uh, providentially, through the people of Christ, the people of, of who are Christians, the people of history, uh, to bring about what he desires. He's a sovereign king. And you can go to Acts 4, 27 through 28, where it says that uh, he gathered together Pontius Pilate, uh, Herod, the Jews, and the Gentiles to do what God predestined to occur. So God's a sovereign king, and he's the one who ordained the councils come together and uh, work through uh, their counseling of the councils to recognize what is uh, the word of God. God's certainly uh, sovereign enough to do that. And that's, that's the position. Okay. Okay. That, that makes sense. And would it, would it also make sense that uh, the, the Bible makes sense um, written, written by several different authors of thousands of years and it's a clear, concise. Yes. Um, over 1600 years, 40 well, authors, 40 uh, men in three different continents. Hold on. We got a break. Okay. We'll be right back. Okay, buddy. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. Please stay tuned, and uh, hey, we'll be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. I just want to give you a reminder that the month of December, we're having a matching, matching, excuse me, matching funds drive. If you want to support this ministry, the radio show, and uh, the CARM Intergalactic Empire, all you have to do is go to CARM.org forward slash donate. And whatever you donate, $10, $5, $100, whatever it will be, will automatically be doubled. And, um, well, we're going to accumulate it all at the end of the month and uh, give it to the guy who is uh, well, he's doing the matching funds drive. 
And so if you want to help out, just go to CARM.org, C-A-R-M dot O-R-G forward slash donate. And also, there is the P.O. Box information there at the bottom of the page if you want to do it that way. It's easy to do, and we really appreciate it. All right, now let's get back on with Jamal. Hey, Jamal, welcome. You're on the air. Yes, yes sir. Thanks again. Um, sure. You pretty much answered my questions, and I appreciate that again. Um, okay, sure. Would this be on your CARM website? And if so, under uh, what title? Will what be on there? Forgot. About um, the books being canon of the Bible. Oh, I don't know. It might be on there already. It might not be. I've written so many articles that I've, I just remember them. But um, I do you have a lot more I can work website. on. You can do. What's that? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I was just saying. Yeah, it's it's a pretty vast website. Yeah, it's it's big. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't even know if it's there. And um, I do have literally a file open on the issues of the canon. And it's, how many pages is that file? It's only 15 pages of notes on canon and scripture. Oh, and yeah, that, that's small. Um, my notes on Catholicism are like 180 pages. And, you know, just. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know, philosophy, I think it's, a, it, I don't know, it's 140. Calvinism notes are, um, I think, 90 pages. And this is with. Uh, a table of contents and all kinds of stuff and <laughs> yeah I got lots of I have lots of stuff I do like that I have um, I have a it's called outlines on uh, abortion baptism apologetics the canon Catholicism Eastern Orthodoxy government I got all kinds Islam I wonder how big my Islam pages are but at any rate so I just do outlines a lot because I have to remember a lot, and I can't. And so I bring when someone brings up a question, sometimes I'll open up my outlines and just go from my outlines research I've already done. So anyway, okay, I get a lot of stuff to write. That's, that's pretty good, and it's been a yeah, and it's it's been a blessing to to many, I'm sure. Um, that that's it. Um, I'll get off and let somebody else get on. Uh, sorry about the whole Doctor Slick thing. I you know got a kick <laughs> out of telling the guys at the Bible study. Um, you know, if it happens, cool. I'll be the first one to use it. If it's not, you, you'll you'll still be a blessing to, to us all. So I appreciate it, and uh, thanks, uh, Matt Slick, and uh, you have a blessed one. You too, man. God bless. All right, all right. That was Jamal. Now let's get. I'm going to get to Jonathan from South Carolina. Jonathan, welcome. You're on the air. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Matt, what's going on? Uh, making oh, another Aaron. Uh, once a. Oh, can you hear me? Yes, I hear you. Hello? Yeah, hey, I hear you. Go ahead. How's it going? Um, yes, uh, I had a question about uh, Colossians uh, 2, uh, uh, specifically the verses 13 through 15, I believe. I know you've talked yeah. about this, and I've heard uh, you guys uh, you had a discussion last night, and you mentioned this, and we're pressing uh, Warren on this, which I thought you did a really good job. Um, yeah. But I, my, I was thinking about how is that? And I know it applies to Abraham, but that that's the same for him, right? And well, the patriarchs, the pericope, the same you're thing. About, is, you're talking about the sin debt being canceled by Christ on the cross. Yes, it would yes. be for Abraham. As all individuals for whom Christ died it was canceled at the cross, as Colossians right. two fourteen says. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I was just I was just curious, but I was discussing with my dad uh, today about it. We were reading that, and um, I was talking about it. I said, when was the debt paid? And he said, well, when we received Christ. And I, I said, well, that's not what Scripture says. And I, I showed him that, and, you know, I was talking about the antecedents to us and those, and I was like, who's the us? And he, and he would, you know, be like, uh, uh, saints. And I was like, okay, well, then who is it? Is it saints or is it the world? And he's like, and it was like that. You could tell that the, everything's turning, and he goes, "Wait a second. And you know, because my dad, he's—I he, don't want to say he's very uh, inf- influenced, or you know, I don't know if the word, right word to use, but it, he definitely he he will look at the scripture, and he's not—he don't doesn't hold to his traditions. He'll actually look at it objectively Good. and uh, yield where it needs to be yielded. But anyway, and I mm-hmm. and I thought about that just reading that to him about Abraham. It's it's the same thing, even through time. Um, and we were discussing time, and I remember you talking about A and B theory, uh, which I'm guessing the proper would be B theory. Uh, I, I don't go with either one because I don't know how time is respective to God's nature. But but that's okay. yeah, you know well, yeah. But you would say Christ Christ would be or God would be outside of time because time is created, and that's part of creation and and. Uh, well, I don't say he's outside of time either because I don't know what to, yeah, I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means to be outside okay. of time. And it depends on what you're defining a time as. Is time something that exists or is time simply a measurement of of uh, changes of position and or events? And time doesn't have any real existence. Right. These are some of the questions. And then in God's mind, are all points of occurrence equally valid to God in his knowledge? Or are they sequential because he looks into, so to speak, our world? So we don't know. There's a lot of noise back there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, can, I, can I ask you another question? Or, or uh, Sure, go ahead. I know that you had time for another question. Um, I was also thinking about this week about those who reject uh, penal substitutionary atonement. And I was just thinking about it would be, would it not be a simple refute to their position on um, the wages of sin is death? And Christ died, even though it was imputed, uh, our sin was imputed to him and he died. Nevertheless, he rose again. But that's what I was talking about last night to the open theist. You heard that, right? Oh, you were. Yeah, I didn't watch all of it. I didn't. Oh, okay. I didn't watch all of it. I was able to time in in some of it, but I was just thinking about that um, earlier this week too. Well, the way to sit is death. I mean, is that? I mean, that's a that's a consequential uh, result of uh, sin. But uh, the other issue, their imputation, deals with legal transference. Okay. Get a lot of noise back there. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, we got too much noise. You, you can't. So uh, you, when that happens, just mute yourself because uh, people are driving. Okay. They want to hear some weird so- sounds and get distracted. Okay, I got to put them on hold. Because, but we're going to move along. But uh, Jonathan, just to let you know, yeah, next time not so much noise, and uh, that's it. So hey, we'll move along. Okay. All right. Let me see if I can get to Ryan from Pennsylvania. Ryan, welcome. You're on the air. Hello, Matt. Thank you very much um, for um, uh, taking my call. Sure. Um, last week we were talking about um, uh, presuppositional apologetics, and you made mention of something um, uh, that I was a bit confused about. You talked about ultimate presuppositions. Uh, yeah. I heard uh, John Frame use that phrase, 
and I was not real sure what is the difference between an ultimate presupposition and a penultimate presupposition and an anti-penultimate presupposition. Uh, how do you distinguish between those? Well, a, a pen, penultimate presupposition would have something that undergirds it. And so that it would penultimate. Mm-hmm. And it, it would logically mean by the definition of the word that there is only one more that uh, is there. Pentultimate means uh, no, uh, next to last. So we would, mm-hmm. like in Christian presuppositionalism, we and you should, everybody Christian should do this, presuppose the truth of the Christian trinity as the precondition of all existence. It should just be done. And there's nothing beyond that. Okay. Um, last week I asked you about um, one of the claims of presuppositional apologetics, and I tried to reword it where I think it would be consistent with presuppositional apologetics. This is how I reworded it, that the ultimate presupposition for ontology and epistemology of religious truth is identical to the ultimate presuppositions for the ontology and epistemology of scientific truths. Yeah, we discussed that, and um, from whose perspective? Because an atheist would never grant that God's necessary precondition well, for science. I'm talking. I'm talking about the uh, um, the uh, from the perspective of a presuppositional apologist. Well, presuppositionalism, you know, basically just says presuppose the Christian Trinity, the truth of the Scriptures. It uses transcendental arguments mm-hmm. and things like that, and. Then we, you yeah. know, we go and we attack the, uh, the presuppositions of unbelievers and show that they're in, uh, yeah. inco- incoherent. And then there's a necessity yeah. we call the impossibility of the contrary. So what the sentence or the paragraph, I don't know what you can call it, you're writing there, to, seems to me to be a category error. I don't know, I'm not sure if it is or not. I'm going to see the sentence because it has a category of, of one and a different category for another. And you're kind of blending them. And so that's what's confusing to me. So hold on, man. We've got a break, okay? Okay. Hey, folks, we'll be right back after these messages. If you want to give me a call, two open lines, 877-207-2276. Be right back. It's Matt Slick Live, taking your calls at 877-207-2276. Here's Matt Slick. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. As soon as the producer reactivates Brian... I'll get him back on, and we can talk. There we go. Thanks. Brian, you're back on. Uh, thank you. Um, there was something else I wanted to kind of uh, illustrate for you, and um, if you don't mind, let me take in a few more sure. same, uh, uh, seconds here. Um, consider this. Statement number one, it's going to be three sentences within this statement. If A, then B, uh, period, A, period, therefore not B. Now, statement number two would say, statement number one is an invalid inference. Okay, now you see that uh, statement number two is an evaluation statement of statement number one, right? And um, that, that evaluation statement, the, the first one is, a, uh, is an inference within first-order propositional logic. And the, set one, uh, the second one is an evaluation of that statement that is within propositional logic. And necessarily, when we make a evaluative statement like that, it's going to be from outside of the logical system. And we can make evaluation statements like this, like of a sentence saying it's true or false. We can make an evaluation of an inference, like I did here, saying it's valid or invalid. We can make evaluative statements of logical systems, saying they're consistent or inconsistent, complete or incomplete, um, or um, decidable or not decidable. 
And all of those things are outside of that, and we use different terminology and use a different set of tools to make those evaluative statements. And um, um, I've, I've made it abundantly clear to you before that I think all of the claims of presuppositional apologetics are false. And when I go through evaluating these things, the evaluation of these things necessarily takes place outside of the claims and outside of the, uh, the structure that is making those claims, just like outside of a um, logical system, outside of a uh, logical inference, or outside of a logical statement. And uh, it is not um, something that is um, uh, um, self-refuting simply because we are stepping outside of those claims and making an evaluation of them. Do you understand that? You said too much too fast, so I can't agree or disagree. Um, but uh, one thing I did kind of catch, you said all claims of presuppositionalism is false. Presuppositionalists presuppose the validity of the Christian Trinity as a necessary precondition for all truth and existence. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's false to do that? I think uh, even though I believe that, I believe all of the claims of, the, of the, the, that presupposition, all of these claims uh, do not follow from that presupposition. And, um, well, and again, no, 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 when no. you're... No, no, no. You said all the claims of presuppositionalism, of presuppositionalism is false. One of the presuppositional claims is the truth of the Christian Trinity as a precondition for all existence and truth. So mm-hmm. is that false, that we should not presuppose well, God's existence? I, well, here is the thing. What I'm saying is that these claims, the, the eight claims that we that you agreed to last week, that... Um, that it's a rational or logical defense of Christianity, that all worldviews except the Christian worldview fail to account for laws of logic, and so forth. The eight of them that you agreed to, as uh, that I presented to you last week, I think all of these claims fail. And uh, okay. that has no bearing on the truthfulness of the Trinity or the biblical truths. And, um, um, and so mm-hmm. what I'm saying is, is that the evaluation of these things is from outside of these things, and it's not self-refuting to just like it's not self-refuting to use logic to eva- evaluate for sort of uh, propositional uh, statements or for sort of propositional uh, logical systems or uh, for sort of uh, 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 inferences. So it's also not self-refuting to uh, uh, take a look outside of these claims and make an evaluation of them. And I think when we make an evaluation of them, even assuming the presupposition. Well, you're saying way that, too many um, things. You're saying you're, uh, you're just going. You're saying so many things. I can't respond. You're just going and going, and there's all these little nuanced issues here, and you're just blending them all together, and it's not very conducive mm-hmm. to a good discussion on the radio. You know, I'd like to answer just okay, ask simple questions. Do you believe that mm-hmm. we should start with the Christian Trinitarian God as the the basis for all actuality? No. Okay. So then you, you deny assuming the Christian God's truth. No. So then it's neither true or false, then, that the Christian Trinity is a precondition for all intelligibility? Um, I think that it does not follow from the Christian Trinitarian uh, formula that all truth flows from that, just as you... Well, um, uh, also agreed that the ultimate presuppositions of scientific truth is not the same as the presuppositions of religious truth. Wait a minute, are you saying that all truth does not flow from the Trinity? Well, you just said that. 
Okay, you just said that the, the 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 statement I just said you do not agree with that the ultimate presuppositions for ontology and epistemology of religious truths uh, is identical to the ultimate presuppositions of the ontology and epistemology of scientific truth. You said that is not the case. So you have also made that division between religious truth and scientific truth. No, when people talk to me like that, I have to ask lots of questions to see what they mean by clarification and the bridging of the different categories and what senses are using the categories. But I'm trying to get down to this. Um, Do you deny or do you affirm that all truth is grounded in the Christian trinity? No. I said, do you deny or affirm, which is it? I, I do not believe that all truths um, come forth from the Trinity, no, even though I See, believe in Trinity. Can you define what truth is? Um, can I define what truth is? Well, I would make a division between religious truths and scientific truths and, uh, and logical truths. Okay, uh, great. But what is truth? Um, again, they're going to be defined differently, whether you're talking about uh, religious truths or scientific truths or logical truths. Okay, but you can't define truth, yet you speak of it, and so mm-hmm. uh, so it's a little bit, uh, in my view, uh, my opinion seems to be a little incoherent to speak of something you can't define. How are you defining incoherency? Well, that no, I'm just making a statement. If you don't know what how to define something... How can you then speak about it with uh, logical assurance? That's what I'm asking. Well, uh, uh, well, as I've shown to you before, well, you're talking about logical assurance, okay? Logical definitions change according to logical systems, and uh, contradiction changes according to logical systems. Logical okay, can defi- truth? systems are defined by... Can, um, define can I define truth? Yeah, um, well, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, uh, you know, and uh, I believe that as a religious truth. Um, if it, I uh, go to truth as a person, religious truth as a person. So, all truth is Jesus? All truths um, are God's truths. So whether it's ah, um, religious truth or so scientific truth. Or... Would, you, would you agree that truth is what corresponds to the mind of God? No. There's no way to know that for sure. Okay. Well, There's no there way to know that with any uh, with any certainty. Um, then you wouldn't you know, know nothing of the thoughts of Then you wouldn't well, know Well, we know is, nothing of the thoughts of God. The only thing we know is how God has revealed his, uh, his thoughts. That but is one of the huge know. flaws in uh, presuppositional apologetics. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not, not a flaw. You see, look, God is a necessary precondition for everything because nothing exists apart from God. So therefore, all truth that ex- exists in our world are ultimately due to the causation of God. He is the ultimate cause of all things. So all facts okay. that exist in our world trace their origin back contextually to the causal chain brought uh, into existence by God. So therefore, all facts have a context. All truth values have a context that ultimately rests with God. And in the mind of God, before all things were created, or he created everything, all things uh, potential were known by God. And so all facts and all existent, potential existences existed in the mind of God. So truth is what corresponds to the mind of God. And see, if you're going to tell me truth has something other than, than the value of, of what corresponds to the mind of God, then I'm going to ask you to define what truth is apart from the Christian God. And that's basically what atheists do. 
Well, then um, my question to you is how do we distinguish between the truth that is in God's mind and the truth that is or something that is not in God's mind? The only thing we know of God's mind is the manner in which he's chosen to reveal it. We, don't, we know nothing of the thoughts themselves. Yes, we do. Because God tells us no, we don't. his thoughts. Because God tells us in the scriptures things. Jesus tells the us. The only thing, the, what the, the scripture is the way God has revealed his thoughts, not his thoughts themselves. Oh, okay. That is I get the way what God say. has revealed his thoughts. Yeah, I get what you're saying. We don't know his present thoughts. We don't can't reach up in, into his mind. I get that. But we can see what God mm-hmm. has done to the person of Christ, and we can understand his intentions through the Word of God and the person of Christ. But you got to understand, you're, you're having nothing. a grounding. You're having a grounding problem because you're presupposing no, the validity. Yes, you are. You're presupposing the validity of the laws of logic by which you can discuss other logical systems. Which means you're presupposing the law of identity and, and uniformity in nature and in the laws of logic. But how do you ground those as being absolutely true? You can't. I don't see how you can. Well, in, in, right? they're not the absolutely Trinitarian true. God, who also is the one and the many, and the necessary precondition for all intelligibility with universals and, and um, particulars that are manifested in the world. So okay, I've thought this through. I've had very problem. sophisticated discussions with atheists on this, and uh, and and I'm 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 with well, you. I, I understand what you're saying, but I think you've got problems logically. Okay, here here's what I'm saying. Um, Greg Bonson in his debate with uh, Gordon Stein talked about things um, uh, reflecting the thoughts of God. I'm saying that the only thing we have in the revelation in the scriptures is the results of God's thoughts as they are revealed. We know nothing of the thought processes themselves. And so, therefore, um, Gordon Stein was correct when he said any talk of uh, something reflecting God's thought is meaningless, because we don't know with any degree of certainty whether or not it reflects God's thoughts. We only know the results of God's thoughts as he has revealed it. No, 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 I I disagree. And and Stein got his rear handed to him. And uh, the thing is, if you can't define truth, then... uh, and you need to justify your definition of I, truth because you're now what you want to do is I, define I, truth apart from God. How do you justify that? Didn't I tell you that um, religious truth that I am the way, the truth, the life that that it yeah, is we, a person? Did I not say that? Yes, you did, but I didn't ask you. You know, because you said truth is a person. So the statement two plus two mm-hmm. plus four is a truth. Is that statement Jesus? The answer is no. So it's a no. category error, and, and uh, there's non-transitivity of identicals there. It doesn't work. So you have to have a definition of, of truth that's going to be better. Well, you here's the thing. I make a distinction between truths and facts. Scientific Science deals in facts. and uh, the um, No, it doesn't. Not it, always. It, it seems like you're... you're huh? Science does not always deal with facts. It deals with assumptions and guesses and testing and belief and philosophy. It is based upon what is observed in the world around us, and it makes models about that world. No, it's it's not. Science is a philosophical approach to the physical world. We're almost out of time. And I'll tell you why. Because they presuppose the universality of the laws of logic, but they can't prove it with the scientific method. No, they method. don't. They'll presuppose it. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. There's a lot well, of study on what science is. And the philosophy of science. Plus, it presupposes the uniformity of nature. And the laws of, of physics are the same everywhere. It presupposes this. May I discuss these are with philosophical you? May I assumptions. Rumble with you after the show? May I discuss <laughs> this with you and Rumble after the show? If you want, come on in right. after. We can talk a little bit about it. But it's just-
just to be more the same. Hey, folks, we're out of time. May the Lord bless you. I know it's a little bit sophisticated, but I enjoy that kind of stuff every now and then. May the Lord just really bless you tonight. And by His grace, we're back on air tomorrow, and we'll talk to you then. God bless. Bye. Another program powered by the Truth Network.